Hey, welcome to the online ministry at Coastal Community Church. I want to thank you so much for checking us out, and we're so grateful that these sermons online are benefiting uh, your spiritual growth. Uh, but one of the things we have a deep conviction of at Coastal Community Church is that you're a part of a local church. And so uh, while we want these sermons to supplement your spiritual growth, we also want to encourage you to find a local church. So if you're in our community, we'd love for you to visit us. Check us out. We're on 101 Village Avenue in Yorktown, and uh, we have three service times on Sunday morning that you can see if you can be a part of our community. The service times are 8, 9.30, and 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and so we'd love for you to visit us. Um, when you visit us this summer, we're going to be doing a, a new series called One, and uh, we're going to be taking our church body through uh, the letter of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, that Paul writes a letter to the church of Corinth. And the letter is written because Paul is horrified to find out that this church is not unified together as a body um, to make Jesus Christ famous in their community. And I find that interesting because we we live in a culture where I think sometimes we're uh, shocked when a church is working in unity. And so that's what we want to be, a coastal community church. We want to be a church that works in unity uh, so that we can better uplift the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So I hope you'll join us for this new series as we go through 1 Corinthians. The series is called One. Well, good morning. Great to see you this morning. We're going to multitask this morning. All right, here we go. Get your bulletin out. Get your handout. Okay, follow along with me. That handout is an opportunity as a learning tool for you, right? We, uh, studies show that we remember more of the things we write down. So if I say something, the Lord's speaking in your heart, write it down. Okay, you'll remember it better that way. There is a bookmark that you should have received. Get that out with a piece of string on it. Okay, that's not to go fishing with this afternoon. All right, so I'll explain that a little bit later at the end of my sermon. Okay, so have that available. Get your Bible out, all right? I really want you to bring your Bible each week. Learn your way around God's Word, okay? And we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians. If you don't have a Bible, and if you don't own a Bible, there's a Bible probably in the chair in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, take that one with you, okay? We would love for you to have a copy of the Word of God, and I want you to turn in that Bible to page 952. We're going to start 1 Corinthians. While you're multitasking, Moms, happy Mother's Day. All right, if you're a mom here this morning, do me a favor. Would you stand? We want to thank you and we want to pray over you. Moms, please stand up. Takes the first one. There we go. All right, thank you, moms. We love you. We appreciate you. I want to pray over you. Um, one of the things I, I really love about Mother's Day is the task of moms is... Um, the task of being a servant, you know, and it just reminds me of Christ who served us. And, um, and so we, we want to appreciate and love and pray on you, uh, over you because, uh, not pray on you, pray over you. Okay. That came out really wrong. So, um, I haven't preached in a couple weeks, forgive me. Um, but we want to pray over you and thank the Lord because you represent Christ in your homes with your servant attitude. I'm going to pray, too. I want, as a body, as a congregation, I want to be aware, you know, Mom's Day is not always an easy day, right? Um, there's some folks in our congregation that maybe lost a mom within the last year or two, and they're still grieving that. And so we want to pray for those. We have some single moms in our church body, and, you know, they're going 100 miles an hour, raising a family, providing, and all of that. And, and I want to challenge you as a church body, if you know someone in our congregation, they're a single mom, you know, we should be filling in the gaps where they need help uh, with time, talent, and treasure to help out. There's some ladies sitting right now that have been trying to have a family, and God hasn't opened the womb, and today's a difficult day, right? So, so we want to recognize the whole gamut and pray, okay? So let's bow our heads, let's pray, and thank the Lord for our moms that are standing. Heavenly Father, um, 
your, your word actually says, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised, Proverbs 31. And so we thank you for these women that are standing and their moms that have influenced their families, that have served their families oftentimes with thanklessness and, and doing things that, that often go without notice. Uh, but I'm reminded in 1 Corinthians 15 that you told us because Christ is raised from the dead, you notice everything. There's, none of our labor is in vain. And so we thank you for these moms that are standing. I want to I pray for the one in the congregation that's here this morning that uh, today's a tough day. Their, their mom recently passed and, and, and they're struggling. I pray that you would be the God of all comforts, that you would draw near and bring comfort to that person, Lord, and, and, and sustain them each step of the way. I want to pray for the single mom in our congregation, Lord, that's trying to provide, doing all the taxi service of young kids, um, trying to give wisdom as you, as you give opportunity, Lord. I pray that you would give that mom sustaining grace, and help. I pray that as a church body, we could fill in the gaps uh, and be your hands and feet in, in the life of that mom. I, I pray for the one in this, this room that's maybe been trying to start a family and for whatever reason, Lord, the womb has not opened and, and that's created emotional challenges. I pray that you would draw near to that family, God, and you would, you would give sustaining grace and, and they would rest in your sovereignty and in your timing, Lord. And, and, uh, and so, Lord, but uh, today we celebrate this gift of family. We just got done doing a series called Heritage and we, we, we get and we understand the importance of moms in the home and their peace and discipleship. And so thank you for our moms and uh, we celebrate them and it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Give these moms a round of applause. You may have a seat. Moms, on the way out today, we have a gift for you. When you head out the door, we have a flower for you that has been provided by the men's ministry of Coastal, and it's being distributed by the student ministry of Coastal. So if you forgot to give your mother a flower, Coastal is bailing you out, okay? So... Or if you did like I did today and you bought your wife flowers yesterday and you put them in the same fridge that froze your Coke cans and, honey, I haven't seen you yet. You got a flower sickle this morning. I apologize. Um, and we will rectify that situation, okay? Um, so turn with me to 1 Corinthians. We're going to dive in. Um, and we are going to be doing uh, this letter. This is a letter written by the Apostle Paul uh, to the church of Corinth, okay? The city is named Corinth, and that's where we get the title of the letter, Corinthians. And uh, we're going to be unpacking this over the course of the summer. I like to do this a couple times a year uh, because I believe a healthy church body is a church body that's really in the Word of God, knows the Word of God, and applies the Word of God to their lives, okay? And so we're going to spend the, the summer unpacking this. If you're away this summer, I know a lot of we're hitting in a vacation time, things like that. If you're away this summer, please go online and, and make sure you're getting each week as it kind of builds on each other. I, I'm going to tell you a little Sean Brown pet peeve, okay? And so if you've said this to me, please don't take offense. This is my opportunity to address it, okay? But one of the little things that happens to me frequently is someone, and I think it's usually well-meaning, will come up to me and say, hey, Pastor Sean, I'm, you know, I'm leaving my past church because my old church, fill in the blank, is having problems. And I think the implication is that I'm coming here because this church doesn't have any problems, right? To which I'm like, you're kidding, right? You know, I mean, 
In fact, let me, let, me, let me just give you this, okay? The whole reason we have the back end of the Bible called the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote is because all churches are having, say it with me now, problems, all right? And the reason they're having problems is the church is filled with people, and as soon as you show up, you cause problems, all right? Of course we're having problems. And so it just, it just kind of bothers me. Like, if you're coming to Coastal because you think, man, Coastal is the church that doesn't have any problems, well, just stay for a couple weeks. We're sure to hurt your feelings somewhere along the way, okay? It's not intentional. It's just people. But the second reason it gives me heartburn is for me, church life's not a competition. I want to see the gospel reach our community. I want to see the gospel of Jesus Christ reach every human heart. Listen, the hope of the world is not our great system of government. We have a wonderful system of government. It's not the hope of the world. It's not the next presidential election. It's not who's president. The hope of the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want every single Bible-believing church in the peninsula filled with people who are worshiping God's Son, Jesus Christ. I want them all filled. I heard this at a local seminar, so I don't know if it's true, but I've heard in this local seminar that if every person on the peninsula got up this morning and said, you know what, I'm going to go to church, I want to, be, I want to hear the word of God, I want to worship God through singing and through a local church. If every person on the peninsula got up this morning and went to church, the, there's only enough seating capacity on the peninsula for a third of the peninsula residents. So there's a lot of work to do. I want to see all the churches on the peninsula that are Bible-believing full. I want to see every church on the peninsula going, man, we better go to three services so we can house the whole peninsula. Because the hope of the world, the hope of this culture, and the hope of every tribe, tongue, and nation is the local church. And so the New Testament is written because we, 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 we all run into problems and we have to figure out how the gospel of Jesus Christ applies to particular problems. And so that's what the Apostle Paul is doing here. And the overarching theme of 1 Corinthians is the idea of working together in unity. That each of us as believers, and by the way, throughout the rest of the sermon, I'm going to refer to you as the church. And what I mean by that is if I say you're the church, it's not some institution out there. The church are people that claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. The church are people who have repented of their sins and believe in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And when you believe that, you are the church. We're the church. It's not an institution out there. We're it. And so when I say church, I'm referring to you as a Christian, assuming that you are, are following Christ, and we're the church. And so, and so Paul here is addressing this local church, and this church, because of the world and the flesh, and their sinful flesh, and their sin nature, and the devil, they, they, they're splintering because they haven't allowed the gospel to penetrate every area of their life. And so this letter reads like a bunch of problems, one after the next, that Paul is addressing. And that's what we're going we're gonna to do as we unpack 1 Corinthians over the summer. I don't have time this morning to give you an overview of the letter. I wish I did, okay? So we have a couple things available to you. Number one, if you want to go out on your way out, we have 200, uh, our, a booklet of 200 uh, 
copies of articles that we've pieced together that address each sermon that we're going to preach, okay? I've got 200 of those this morning. If we get, get rid of them all, uh, we'll produce more for next week, okay? But in that, the first one is an overview, an article on the overview of 1 Corinthians, so you kind of get a bigger picture. The second thing I want to draw your attention to, great, great, great resource. You should go home today and watch it. If you go on our website and you click under, I believe, sermons or resources on the right-hand side, drop-down menu, there's blog, okay? And there's each week we, we write a blog that prepares you for the Sunday morning service. This week, okay, we have about an eight-minute video that will teach you the overall context of 1 Corinthians. You should watch that today, okay? And, uh, and I'm sure your mom would want you to do that, okay? So there you go. Um, and that will prepare you. So with that, I've got to jump in, okay, for time's sake. We're going to jump right into 1 Corinthians. And so we've got this fractured, disunified church. It's not working. They don't understand it. As a body, they work together for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul starts with this. You need to remember who you are in Christ. You need to remember who you are in Christ. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2. To the church of God that is in Corinth. To those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, circle the word saint, called to be saints together with all those in every place who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and our Lord, okay? So if we're going to be unified as a church, we start with the idea or we start remembering as believers who we are. Now here's what stuck out to me in verse 2. Paul starts out by saying, this is God's church, verse 2, that is located in Corinth. I want you to think about that for a minute. As I read that, it wowed me. Paul is saying, you're God's church that's located in Corinth. I want you to apply that to us. Coastal, you, Coastal, you, you're God's church located in Yorktown. See, splintering and disunity begin when we forget that this is God's church doesn't belong to me. doesn't belong to me. I'm the senior pastor, and I get the whole what my role is New Testament-wise, what God has defined as a senior pastor, but I'm not always going to be the senior pastor. There's going to come a day there'll be another senior pastor at Coastal Community Church. And so I'm called to steward it for a season, but man, I, I hold it loosely because this church does not belong to me. It... Another pet peeve, right? I don't like when people come up to me, well, I'm coming to your church because, fill in the blank. It's not my church. It's God's church. Located in New Yorktown. Elders. It's not your church. Small group leaders. It's not your small group. Ministry leaders. It's not your, it's not your ministry. You steward it for a season. It belongs to God. Staff, not your church. And it's God's church. It is located in Yorktown. And we have the opportunity to steward it for the glory of God and for the fame of the gospel of Jesus Christ. By the way, I don't even have time this morning to hit on how this verse addresses the idea of church local and church universal. It addresses both. So if you're here this morning and you're in the camp of like, I don't usually go to church because I'm a Christian and I'm just part of church universal. Listen, you are not a part of church universal unless you're a part of church local. You have to find a local church. And by the way, if Coastal's not the church for you, I get that. It's not for everybody. Find a local church that you say, you know what, I'm going to submit myself under the leadership of this local church. Make sure it's Bible-believing and teaching the Word of God as the Word of God. 
Because Paul, in verse chapter 5, we're going to get to that. Like, there's submission to authority, spiritual authority, so we make sure our, our lives don't go off the train tracks. But this is God's church. It's located in Yorktown. And he addresses these people, these men and women, as saints of God. You're the saints, he says. You're saints. I don't know what comes to mind when you hear the word saint. I mean, for some of you, it's the NFL team, okay? Uh, but for two people laughed. Listen, I haven't preached in a while, man. Cut me some slack. I'm nervous this morning. I'm trying hard, all right? I hear the word saint, you know, I think like dead people lived long ago. That's, the New Testament says that the saints are living Christians that are set apart for holiness and righteousness. You are a saint if you're a Christian. You're, you are set apart for holiness and righteousness. Doesn't mean we never sin. Okay? You don't lose your sainthood when you sin. See, that's what's going on here in, Cor- in Corinth is these people are Christians, but they're living as if they're unbelievers. They're sin, they're, they're indulging their flesh. They've let the world and the worldly influence influence their thinking. They're, they're letting Satan come in and disunify them. And so Paul starts and says, you gotta act like you already are. When you become a Christian, the, the theological word is the word justified. When you repent of your sin and believe in Christ, justification is you're now declared once and for all holy and righteous. You are now declared a saint. And so Paul here is saying, I want you to live up to your name, right? Those of you with children, you know this, right? Your kids do this sometimes. Uh, well, everybody else gets to. Well, you ain't everybody else. Let me remind you of your last name. Here's how your last name functions. If you don't like it, you can go live with everybody else. Okay, that's how that works, right? Paul says, you're, you, you've, you've taken on the name of Christ. Live up to your name. And the rest of this letter is about living up to your name. The process of sanctification. And then Paul says, listen, he, he, here's the benefits of being a saint. Okay, so you are a saint. Here's the benefits. 1 Corinthians 1.5. That in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and in all knowledge... Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you're not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. What is Paul saying? Three things. There's three benefits of being a saint. One, God is going to give you the speech and knowledge to fulfill the Great Commission. You're like, what? All right. As a Christian, have you ever wanted to share your faith with someone? I hear this all the time. Like, I want to share, I was going to share my faith with this person at work or my neighbor or something, but I was afraid I was going to say the wrong thing. You ever heard it said, say the wrong thing? Paul says, listen, you're, you're going to be equipped with the speech and knowledge just to finish the Great Commission. And, and, and if you're afraid of saying the wrong thing, here's what you're believing, right? Here's what you're falsely believing. You're believing that the salvation of another person depends on you. It doesn't. It's God that saves his people. You're just, he invites you to be a part of it. How cool is that? All you got to do is open your mouth from time to time. Tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, the saints get the benefit of Christ and the spirit equipping and speech and in knowledge. God provides all the gifts he intends for his church to do. Verse 7, he's going to equip the church to finish what he wants the church to do. Listen, Coastal, God has given Coastal all that it needs to accomplish what he's calling us to do right now. So you may be here this morning, like, what are we going to do? And you got in your mind, like, we should be doing this, this, and this. Like, God hasn't equipped us for that yet. He might. I hope he does. I remember when I first started this church, I had about 100 people, and I'd have well-meaning people did this to me all the time, and they didn't mean it, anything by it, and I you know, tried not to take it personal, but, you know, they'd go visit a mega church, right? 
And they'd come back from this mega church and they'd be like, man, check out this bulletin from this mega church. And they put it in front of me and I was like, the bulletin was like origami. It was incredible, you know? And I was like, wow. And then I would look over at my little Xerox copier that was this big, you know? And I'm like, this is all we can afford right now. And besides that, I'm, I got a 18-year-old secretary that we're hiring for 10 hours a week. How in the world am I going to produce that bulletin? We're doing all we can do with what God's intended for us to do right now, right? You should see our copier now. I think it could send a spaceship to Mars. It's amazing. Like, wow, you know. And so God's given us a few more resources we didn't have back then. But, and it's the same thing in your life. God has given you all he has given you and intends for you to accomplish at that time. It's the benefit of being a saint. He, he's not expecting you to do everything. He's expecting you to do what he's called you and gifted you and qualified you to do. Same thing for Coastal Community Church. The saint's salvation is secure, verses 8 and 9. I've preached on this so many times this year. It seems like it just keeps coming up over and over in the scriptures as we unpack them that, that Jesus is going to see his children home. Listen, if you're here this morning and your spiritual life is hanging by a thread and you're, you're kind of going, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to follow God all the way to the end of my life. Look, just Relax. Take it a day at a time. Listen, God is going to give you the strength and the grace to get through Monday. He's going to get, and then you're going to wake up on Tuesday, and he's going to give you the grace and strength to get through Tuesday, to be a saint, to live up to your name. And he's going to give you the grace and strength to get through Wednesday. And he's going to give you the grace and strength to get through Thursday. He's going to give you the grace and strength to get through Friday. Like he's going to, you get the grace of God as you go. And this goes back to my Easter sermon. Like God, Jesus Christ is in the Holy of Holies praying you home. The anchor, our, our faith of our anchor holds within the veil. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you've got to listen to my Easter sermon online. Like he's getting us home. That's what he does to his children he's with you to the end I should encourage you this morning and so we have unity in that hope now Paul transitions to the big address of this letter and it's the the disunity in the church it's the disunity in the church before I read this verse I I want you to know something as your pastor um, there is nothing that scares me more than disunity in the church. Listen, I don't, I don't, I don't get nerd. I have never, one of the reasons you don't hear me preach a lot, I don't say a lot around politics time, you know, when it's time to vote for the president, everybody gets spun up. And, and I personally, I just, I don't say a lot. Now, I think that the gospel of Jesus Christ touches who we should vote for. It, it affects that. And we, should, we should think about our voting through the grid of the gospel. So I don't want to brush it off as unimportant. But the reason I don't say a lot around presidential elections is I don't care who's the president. The president doesn't affect the church at any level. You may be going, yes, he does. They could change the law and there could be pressure. and like, Yeah, but that doesn't, expect, it doesn't change what God's doing in his church. It never has. And it never will. I don't, I don't worry about that. I don't, I don't worry about the economy from the standpoint of I'm worried about the impact it would have on God's church. Now listen, I, I like you, enjoy the benefit of a rising economy. It was doing good. We probably all do a little bit better. I get all that economically. But at the end of the day, if we have another recession or even a depression, the church will go forward. And actually history tells us the church does better in those times. I'm not worried about that. 
I don't even, I don't even really worry about persecution. Like, well, what if the laws change in order to be a Christian? Like, it gets hard. Like, again, in church, church history shows when that happens, the church flourishes. What worries me about this church is the potential for disunity where we don't get along. That's why Jesus in John 17, he didn't pray like, Heavenly Father, please make sure that the the economy does great. Heavenly Father, make sure so-and-so doesn't become president. No, he prays for the unity of the disciples so that the world will know that Jesus is Lord. And so Paul jumps off on this in 1 Corinthians 1.10. He says, listen to this, it's like, like, can you just hear his passion? I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you would what? What's it say? That you'd agree. That there would be no divisions among you. That you would be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Listen. He wants the, his, his appeal is for unity, and we're going to come back to the word appeal in just a minute. But I'm going to tell you something. You want to know what the source of disunity is? It's selfishness every time. Every time. Selfishness. The, the book of James addresses this, right? In James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war within you? You desire to do and do not have, so you murder, you covet, you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. Quarreling is always about selfishness. Well, that decision didn't go my way. Now I'm irritated. Well, no one called me. I didn't hear about it. Listen, Coastal, I got news for you. Coastal is growing so quickly. There's things going on I didn't hear about. I'm like, oh, we're doing that. That's really cool. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad the gospel's going forward. I don't have to know about it, right? Selfishness. And so Paul says we want to be unified, so we got to pursue unity. Listen, by the way, pursuing unity doesn't mean we can't debate some things together in our, in our community of faith. It doesn't mean we can't ever even have a disagreement. You know, there's, there's going to be tons of things. I mean, eschatology, how it all ends, we can debate about that. Listen, in a couple weeks later in summer, I'm going to address tongues. How many of y'all are like, yeah. Listen, after I preach that sermon, there's going to be complete unity. You're all going to agree with me and we'll move forward, all right? So I don't anticipate any problems there. So, um, you know, so the question is, can we talk about these things and still be unified? So let me, let me give you, so the word agree literally means to speak the same thing. So let me talk to you about the areas at Coastal that we speak the same thing. And then you can kind of decide, like, am I on board with that or am I not on, or am I not on board with that? If you're not on board, then I would say, hey, you know what? There's probably another church that would do it different, and that suits who you are better. You know, that's cool. But, but here's how we speak the same thing. Number one, we're, we're unified in our doctrine. We have eight essential doctrines that we don't waver on. I'm not going to unpack those this morning. If you're, in, if you're kind of new to Coastal, you're like, yeah, I'm interested. What are those? Okay, we have a, what we call our We Are Coastal class coming up June 3rd, Saturday night, 5 to 8.30, food and child care. Let us know you're coming. Sign up on that tear-off. Let us know you're coming just so we have enough food for you. Okay, but we want you to know who we are. We want you to know who the, what those eight essentials are. We, we are. we speak the same things. We're unified in our purpose. Okay, here's what we're after at Coastal Community Church. Here's what we're after. Ready? We are after to develop authentic, anybody know what's left? Followers of Jesus Christ. That's our way of saying we want to make disciples. 
That's the great commissioning of Christ gives. We want to develop authentic. We don't want it to be fake. We don't want it to be unreal. We don't want it to be legalistic. We want you to authentically grow to be more like Christ. And then we're unified. We speak the same thing in our processes, how we intend to do that. Okay? We want you to do it in three ways. We want you to connect. We want you to grow. And we want you to serve. Okay, so let me tell you something. If you're here this morning and the only part of the discipleship process that you're a part of is connect, you are missing out on the rest of the process that we think is essential for you to develop as an authentic follower of Christ. And we didn't just kind of willy-nilly pick these things out of a hat. These are the New Testament commandments for believers to develop as authentic followers of Christ. And so you need to be in a small group. If you're not in a small group, you, you, there's a there's a on a three-legged stool, there's one of the legs are missing in your process of development. If we want you to serve somewhere. We want you to serve on ministry of this church and a mission of this church. So that you're giving of yourself the way Christ gave of himself. I'm going to share something with you. I, man, I, I don't get up here and like, share my disappointments too often, but a couple weeks ago we did a volunteer celebration. I said, if you're a volunteer somewhere in a ministry church, stand. I was stunned how few people stood stunned I was like wow you know like we listen this is a great church and 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 you're gonna rub shoulders with other awesome Christians and you're gonna serve the community through the ministry of the local church and and it's first Corinthians 12 which we're gonna get to how every part of the body is important to spreading the name and fame of Jesus Christ we need you to be a part of the ministries of coastal we are less effective if you're not serving I can tell you that we're not all God wants us to be if you're not serving we're unified in our processes and our, our process. We're unified in our membership. We, we Again, come to our We Are Coast class. We talk about membership a lot. What's expected of a member. We tell you how we function as a church. We're unified and we speak the same things in these areas. And it's, so once we establish the riverbanks, we have freedom to disagree, to agree to disagree as long as we're unified in our riverbanks, which we give to you. And what's our purpose in being unified? It's to bring glory to God and exalt the gospel of Jesus Christ. So bring glory to God and exalt the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says this man, when he hears about the disagreement in Corinthians, he says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Verse 17, or, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Our purpose to join together is to pull our time, talent, and treasure so that the gospel will go forward. So that Christ is exalted. And when you're, when you're changed by the gospel, when you understand the gospel, that's why at Coastal we, we talk about the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. And you're like, oh, man, maybe if, you're, if you get weary of that, you're going to get weary at Coastal because we want you to feast on Christ. Because when you feast on Christ, he is going to mold you to be humble and to be unified for the good of the gospel. I don't have to manipulate it. Christ does it. I want you to feast on the gospel. And so, what is, and so Paul then says, well, so what is it that keeps the church body hum, most unified and, and most humbled? It's to pause and consider the wisdom of God. Let me tell you something. God's wisdom will seem crazy to those that don't believe. It seems crazy. 1 Corinthians 1.18 Paul says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Listen, a crucified God is craziness to the rest of the world. In the time that this letter was written in the Greco-Roman world, okay, the, the gods of the Greeks 
were strong. And everyone submitted to them. They were demanding. But the God of the Bible is a God who serves. Now, now the resurrected Christ, when he comes the second time, is going to be awesome. All right? The first time he came in humble servanthood. This is a, uh, it's a piece of graffiti from antiquity. It was found in Rome around year 200 A.D. It was found probably at a Roman school. And this is graffiti, okay? It's carved in on a wall of a school in Rome about 1,800 years ago. So for those of you who are like, man, I can't believe the kids these days that graffiti up the buildings, okay? It happened 1,800 years ago, so everyone just relax a little bit, okay? So this is a piece of graffiti that is making fun of a Christian. And what it says is Alex Menos worships his God, so there's a person at this school named Alex Menas, and he is, and this is the graffiti picture of him worshiping his donkey-headed, crucified God. See that? Now listen, that's what unbelievers think of you this morning. That's what unbelievers think of you. The cross is folly to the rest of the world. The unbeliever, the unbelievers, man, it just doesn't. The, the foolishness of the cross and the foolishness of the gospel. You can, you can take that down. My, Friday, take that picture down. Friday night, my daughter and her friends were watching this TV show. I don't, I don't even know what it was, and 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 they said there was this young teenage boy giving advice to this young teenage girl, and he said something that drives me crazy. He says, "Listen, you you just need to follow your heart." I came unglued. Oh! I'll never watch a movie at the preacher's house. It gets awkward at times, you know. Like, here comes another sermon, you know. Be and my wife. Both jump over. We're like, no, no, kids, don't follow your heart. That's terrible advice. Why is that terrible advice? Because the Bible says your heart is deceitfully wicked. And maybe you can't even trust it. So we started preaching at these three girls who just wanted to watch this TV show, right? Like, we're like, no, you need to follow Christ and follow the word of God. You know, don't trust your, even your own heart because it will lead you in a sinful path. Listen, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian and you're running, here's what you're claiming. I'm a sinner. I, my heart left to itself is in rebellion to the God of the universe. And the reason the rest of the world doesn't even want to hear that is because if you're right, then their rebellion is sin. Hey, don't claim... You're not a sinner because that wouldn't make me a sinner. Listen, I've, I've preached sermons here that I've entitled, We Believe Weird Things. You do. The cross is ridiculous. In fact, if you're here this morning and you come week in and week out and you're not yet a Christian, I'm... I, you and I can talk after the service. I'm curious at what motivates you to come to a local church. Because listen, if you're like, well, I'm just coming because, you know, I just think there's good moral teaching. That's not the gospel. The gospel's ridiculous. So if you're an unbeliever and you're here this morning, let me make it really clear what everyone around you that calls themselves Christians is what they believe. They believe that God wrapped himself in flesh, born of a virgin. <laughs> it's ridiculous, Right? And then he lived a perfect life. And you've probably said this before. You've probably said, well, everybody makes mistakes. Not Jesus. 
and he lived a perfect life, and then he hung on a cross. And it wasn't just any old normal death. While he was on the cross, the Bible tells us that God was pouring out his hatred on sin, for sin, on his own son. It was a substitutionary death. And then they laid him in the grave. Get this, this is where Christianity gets really crazy. They laid him in a grave, dead as a hammer, and three days later, he came back to life. That's the gospel. And it's not crazy if it's true. It's life-changing. And some of you young people, they're trying to follow Christ. You've got one foot in Christianity and one foot in the world. It doesn't work that way. You're never going to be cool to the friends at school. Never. Never. Because what you believe is ridiculous to them. And so if that's where you are, I'd say pick a team. Pick a team. Be in or out. Because Paul says it's craziness to the rest of the world. The wisdom of God is unchanging. It's permanent. I've got I to fly here. Ready? The wisdom of God is permanent. It's unchanging. He says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the sermon of the discerning. I will thwart. Where's the one who's wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? God's wisdom will stand as truth for all eternity. The wisdom of the gospel will always be the only hope of your salvation. I hope that some of you this morning are here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ and you've come to the end of yourself this morning. I hope you've pursued the world, you've pursued your flesh, you've made money or tried to make money and known the disappointment of both. I hope you've come to the end of yourself because the only thing that's permanent is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It will save you not just in this life, but the life to come. The wisdom of God is permanent. The wisdom of God is powerful. Verse 25, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. It's powerful to change your life. The gospel will change you. It's got great power. Don't don't believe the lies that tell you, man, you can do it on your own strength. No, there will be times in life you can't do it on your own strength. You need the power of God. I've come to the end of myself. Very humbling. The wisdom of God is a paradox. That means God doesn't use what we expect. I was, I was kind of thinking about this verse on the, I'm about to read you on the way here this morning. I was like, man, I'm, I'm so humbled to be your pastor. And, and please, like, please don't idolize me. I'm just a dude that messes up. And I was driving here this morning, I was like, I'm just the son of an HVAC guy. That's all I am. And I yell a lot on stage. Like, that's it. That's all I got. You know, I got nothing. And that's what Paul's saying to this church. He's like, listen, you guys are disunifying as if the person across the aisle you don't need. As if the person across the aisle is your enemy. Listen, you think so highly of yourself. You, you were nothing when God found you. 1 Corinthians 1.26, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the world's standards. Not many of you were powerful, but not many of you were noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. In other words, God's wisdom is a paradox, and he flips on his head what the rest of the world thinks is, should be used. So for some of you in this room, you came in here like with this low self-esteem, like, oh, you know, I'm just, I got nothing. Yeah, you got nothing. You're right. You're exactly the kind of person God wants to use. In fact, he may be positioning you to be used in ways you can't even imagine. Because that's what God does. 
His wisdom is a paradox, which brings us full circle, which brings us to the final point. God, that's why Paul says, I can't believe there would be disunity in a church. How dare there be disunity? Because when you reflect on the gospel and you reflect that God chose you and saved you, why? Because that's what he wanted to do. Because he takes the, the weaker things of the world to display his wisdom. That's who God is. And so the wisdom of God humbles us and exalts Jesus Christ. It humbles us and exalts Jesus Christ. It's the, it's the goal of Coastal Community Church. It's not about you. It's not about me. We want to exalt the gospel of Jesus Christ, Period. 1 Corinthians 1.29, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God, and because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom of God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I want you to know Christ and Christ alone. I don't, I don't really know how else to conclude the sermon this morning. Here's going to be my prayer. I'm going to close a prayer. I'm going to pray for us as a body. I want us as a body to be humble under the gospel of Jesus Christ, period. If you don't know Christ this morning and you want to, I want to encourage you to go to our prayer room. We have prayer team members there that would love to lead you in the understanding of what it means to know Christ because he uses the weak and the folly of the world to exalt Christ. And he wants to be exalted. He wants to be the power of God in your life in the gospel. So that's going to be my prayer this morning. And then I want to draw your attention to something on your way out this morning, okay? Up here on the front. I know in the back you probably can't see it, okay? We've got three letters up here. O-N-E, okay, spelling one. And, and so going back to your bookmark, I want you to use this bookmark. I want you to put it in your Bible, and I want you to read 1 Corinthians. Every week I want you to read the, chap, the next chapter that we're going to be teaching on the following week, okay? That's what this is for. Okay, but then on top of it is a piece of string. We're going to build a piece of string art over the next four weeks. Unfortunately for today, I'm going to have to not do it today, okay, because of time. But over the next four weeks, this O-N-E is going to be here at the front, okay, or maybe outside in the lobby. I'm not sure where we're going to position it in the weeks going forward. I want you to take your string, and I want you to become a piece of the artwork, okay? And we're going to become one. I want you to understand we are one as a church body. And so these pieces will be up here this morning. They'll be up here all throughout the week. If you can come during office hours, they'll be up here before and after each service next, over the next four weeks. I want you to take your string. I want you to connect it. And I want you to be a piece of the artwork. And then for the next summer, we're going to display this artwork. It's going to remind us that as a church body, we are humbled under the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we, we are one to pull our time, talent, and treasure to make Christ famous. Does that make sense? So let's pray this morning as we take this series together, that God would humble us under the cross of Jesus Christ that we might be one. Heavenly Father, forgive me for the time that I have made your church about me. Forgive me, God, where I have been part of the problem that you're addressing in 1 Corinthians. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you would humble us under the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we, your church, may be one so that we might make Christ famous to every tribe, every tongue, and every nation until the return of Christ. Unify us and make us one, just as Christ prayed over his disciples, for the fame of the gospel and for the glory of Christ. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand and